want to talk to you today while you open your Bibles with me to Psalms chapter 23. I want to share something that I feel like the, the Lord has laid upon my heart. Um, it's no secret to you. One of my greatest mentors in ministry was Bishop T.F. Tenney. And his wife, Thetis, uh, sent me a bunch of his old outlines. He's gone on to be with the Lord. And I miss him so bad. I talk with him every week. And um, we laughed a lot. He was a funny man, but he was a brilliant man. And she sent me about 40 of his uh, sermon outlines. And I was, I've been thumbing through them for about three months. And I came upon something that she sent me the other day that just went off. And that's kind of how it is with a message. You know, you can read a book or you're reading and you're trying to get something and 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 sometimes it speaks to you and sometimes but i've learned that when something goes off in me that matters well you don't think it does but (laughs) if nothing don't go off in me i guarantee you nothing's gonna go off in you when i get up here i guarantee that i've learned that i don't come in here waiting on something to go off on you and then me that never happens with this preacher But this has been going off in me, and I'm pretty excited about it. It's going to bring, I believe, a revelation to to the power of the Lord's table. The Lord's table is communion. And I want to preach today on the power of the Lord's table. This coming Friday as we celebrate Good Friday. And we will have a service at 12 noon that will be beautiful and powerful that that I'll have the honor of leading. And then again, that night at 6 o'clock or 7, 6 o'clock, 6 o'clock, we'll have a second, same repeat because we've filled up the 12 o'clock and we're going to do another service so you can choose between that Good Friday. Don't let the, the day that Jesus is Passover, don't let the day that Jesus bled and died just be a common day as we set our hearts toward the resurrection next Sunday but I want to show you and this is so familiar but can I just get you to read it out loud with me Psalms 23 will you will you read it out loud let's do it together the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want he makes me to lie down in green pastures he leads me beside the still waters he restores my soul He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Here it is. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And everybody at every campus say amen. Isn't that just powerful? Every time you read it, it, just, it, it does something to my heart. But in this 23rd Psalm is the Lord's table. You prepare a table before me. And then he begins the list, what's at that table, what is activated by the table of the Lord. I have here in front of me the Lord's table. It's the bread, it's the cup, it's the wine, the fruit of the vine. And it is the Lord's table. We know 
we know that when Jesus entered in to what we call communion, the last supper with his disciples, it was on the day of Passover. It, was, it, it, it went back, so the Passover is a type of communion. And we know that Jesus, when he had communion with his disciples, it was on the same day that for generations, for over 1,500 years, the Jewish people, the Hebrew people, had been celebrating Passover. And then he comes and he says, I'm instituting a new table under a new covenant. When I come to the Lord's table, a fresh appreciation for what it cost him comes into my life. And the 23rd Psalm, it says that, that he prepares that table for us. After the ceremony and the Passover meal, you remember the Passover story, and we'll go into it in just a moment. But in that story, after they would, when they were about to come out of Egypt and they ate the lamb and they ate the Passover meal and put the blood on the doorpost, something supernatural happened. The Bible said in Exodus that God moved from the mountains to the camp of the Israelites. There's something about the table of the Lord that brings a closeness of God. That the moment you enter into this table, if you don't do it commonly, if you don't do it as something common, if you don't do it as something just as a communion uh, ceremony, but if you do it with revelation and fresh insight, there is a drawing close of God that happens. I know that God is everywhere, but he does not manifest everywhere. And he says, when you come to this table, I will manifest myself. In this table. Psalms 23 is like communion because there is a shepherd in the story of Psalms 23. There are sheep in the story at the Lord's table that he said, I'll prepare a table for you. There's shepherd and there's sheep that are absolutely implied. And at this table, you can't see him, but there is a shepherd. And we are the sheep of his pasture. In Psalms 23, there is an anointing. He anoints my head with oil. And you cannot partake of this meal, the Lord's table. You cannot partake of this, what I'm pointing at, cameraman, right here. You cannot partake of this table. There's no way you can partake of this table and a fresh anointing. He anoints my head with oil. He said that right after he said he prepares a table. And then he said, my cup. That's the cup that's at the Lord's table. The same cup in Psalms 23 is the cup here. My cup runneth over. And then there's restoration in Psalms 23. He restores my soul and there's restoration at the Lord's table. There's goodness and mercy that follows you after you eat at the table he spreads in the presence of your enemies. And there's goodness and there's mercy at this table. And it's not just for here and now, but it follows you when you enter into the Lord's table with faith. All of these things, listen carefully, the promises of God are activated, all of them, when you partake of the Lord's table. He said, this do in remembrance of me, Jesus said. So it's not just about you remembering him, but it also has to do with God remembering his promises through the blood and the covenant that Jesus made. It's God remembering 
what he promised and what he did for you. There is a remembering of us of Calvary, but there is a remembering of God of what Calvary provided and it activates all the promises of God. Can you imagine when our memory meets God's memory? Then suddenly healing is at that table. Long life is at that table. All kinds of blessing that like mercy and grace that follow us all the days of our life. Now go back with me to Exodus chapter 12 to the Passover. And the Bible said that they were to slay a lamb for every house and they were, take the, were to take the blood and they were to put it on the side post. That's the frame of the door. They were to put it on the side post and then they were to put it on the top post. And then if you stepped into that, you were covered by the blood. It was covered this way, it was covered this way, and you were covered by the blood. They were not told to put it on the threshold because you never trample the blood under your feet. But when you put the blood, when you, the, the most powerful avenue of prayer, please learn this, you young people especially, the most powerful avenue of prayer is this. In the mighty name of Jesus, I plead the blood of Jesus. The moment you say that, your whole family comes under the protection canopy of the blood. Now listen to this. Here's how powerful it is. And he said, the death angel, everybody say angel. It was an angel. And when the death angel sees the blood, I'll cross over. I'll pass over that house. It'll hit other houses, tragedy, but because when I see the bloodline, I'll cross over or pass over that house. If an angel could not cross the bloodline, the devil certainly cannot cross the bloodline. I don't plead my case before the judiciary of heaven. I plead the blood of Jesus and the great judge of heaven says he is blessed. He has provided goodness and mercy, anointing, all that he needs. I've set a table in the presence of his enemies and it's got blood on it. And it provides all that I need. I want you to understand that he told them, he said, I want you to eat all the lamb. He commanded them in Exodus 12. He said, eat this lamb and eat all of it. And if you can't eat all of it, he said, I don't want you hoarding the lamb. You go find a neighbor that doesn't have any lamb. You ought to read that. That's in your Bible. And he said, don't, if you leave it, it's going to stink. He actually said that it will stink if you don't eat it by the morning because they didn't have refrigeration. You don't know why some churches stink because they hoard the lamb. The lamb is supposed to be shared. The lamb is supposed to be given out. The lamb is supposed to be distributed. And if the lamb is not distributed, you won't keep life in the camp. The only way to keep life in the camp is keep distributing the lamb. He said, eat all of it. Somebody shout, eat all of it. Don't eat bits and pieces of the lamb. That's the problem in, with many in the church. They have knowledge of Jesus as Savior, but he is not Lord and he is not Master. 
Now, Savior is only mentioned 33 times in the Bible, but Master or, 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 or Lord is mentioned 400 times in the New Testament. And the problem is, it's not called the Savior's table, it's called the Lord's table. And if you're going to eat from this table and get all these blessings, you got to eat all of the lamb. You can't just take him as savior and then do whatever you want to do. You got to take him as Lord. You got to take him as master. I don't want bits and pieces of the meal. I want the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I want the healing that comes with it. I want the prosperity that comes with it. I want the joy that comes with it. And some of you just eat bits and pieces and you got enough to get to heaven, but you're miserable. But if you'd get full of the lamb, you would walk in victory. The key to getting out of Egypt, the key to getting out of bondage is you've got to be full of the lamb. Somebody give the lamb a praise because he's worthy today. Think about this. The Lord's table is the only thing of faith in our religion of Christianity The Lord's table is the only thing of faith that you can physically touch. I can physically touch the bread. I can physically take the cup and drink the fruit of the vine. I can physically see it and touch it. And this is so unusual in our faith because everything else in our faith, if I say touch your faith, you say, how do I touch your fa- How do I touch my faith? But there's one thing that he said, the only place that he marks active faith visibly is at this table. Usually he says, walk by faith, not by sight. But when you come to this table, I want you to see something and I want it to activate your faith to believe that that body that was whipped and beaten heals you. That body that was broken restores you. That blood that was shed for you cleanses you, heals you, delivers you, protects you. And I want you to have a visible thing that you touch when you come to my table. Every other thing I ask you to walk by faith, not by what you see, but here I want you to take very seriously what you can touch and see. Because really, you know what it is? The word became flesh and dwelt among them. And when I take this, if I do it seriously, it is the reincarnation of Jesus in me. And I am an epistle read read by men. Your, Your colleagues on the job may never read this book, but they're reading you. And when you take this in, it's a reincarnation of Jesus. And suddenly that's what you begin to project in your attitude and everything about you. They can't put their finger on it, but he's being in you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. We do not receive this meal as common. We receive it. And listen to this, a joyous celebration. See, there's, there's, there's a hint of something in 2 Corinthians that's pretty powerful. In, uh, in, in actually 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul had to, Paul had to correct them on communion because they were getting too joyful. 
originally when it started, it was a very joyful meal. It was not some sad, sad meal. It was so joyful that they were having such a good time when they had communion in the New Testament in the, in the church of Corinth that Paul had to come along and say, y'all getting a little carried away because some of them were getting drunk and some of them were eating so much that they were having to loose their belt. You don't believe me, do you? Read 1 Corinthians 11. All 1 Corinthians 11 is, is Paul setting the church straight because they had gone extreme on speaking in tongues. He gives them how and where that is appropriate. He didn't say it's not supposed to happen. He just said there's a place and a time for it. And let me set you in order. And in the same chapter, he says concerning communion, you're supposed to be joyful. It's supposed to be a joyful celebration. You are supposed to get excited about that meal. You're supposed to get fired up because miracles are going to happen. You're supposed to. But they were going overboard into drunkenness. And he said, let me just correct you. He said, it's supposed to be joyful, but not self-indulgent. But don't miss the point. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. This is not some solemn thing that we just have to, oh, I don't even know if I'm worthy. You will never be worthy. You will never be worthy. It's worthy as the lamb is the theme of this message. And we're supposed to be joyful about it. We're supposed to enter into it with great faith, knowing that when I touch the bread, I touch Christ. When I drink the fruit of the vine, it's his blood that is drawing a bloodline around me and my family. Hallelujah. This do in remembrance of me. Everybody's got different memories. Do you remember when you got saved? Then you didn't. Do you remember when you got saved? Do you remember when you got saved? I've always been saved. No, you haven't. I feel you out there. I never did. Remember when you, when you, when you come to this meal, remember the night you got saved. Remember when you walked down that aisle and you threw your hands up and tears were streaming down your... Remember how miserable you were. Remember how lost you were. Remember how deceived you were. And then he said something else in Matthew 26 that's pretty powerful. When he told his disciples on the day of Passover to go into town and find a house where he could have communion with them or the Last Supper Passover, celebrate Passover, which we call the Last Supper. He said, he gave them instructions. He said, you go to a certain man's house in, in, uh, in, in the book of Matthew 26. He said, you go to a certain man's house and you tell him I need to use his house. Notice that this meal at the Lord's table is going to happen in your house. What happens here is not supposed to stay here in God's house, there in Gwinnett, there in Beaufort, there in Spartanburg, there in Orange County, there in Midtown. It's not supposed to happen there, there in coming. <laughs> but he said, listen, Jesus that night made a your house experience out of this meal, not a church house experience. That whatever happens when you take this meal it is not just about what happens in the church house but it is about what happens 
in your house. Exodus chapter 12, listen to this. I believe it's the second verse. It says that every year, listen to this. This is the beginning of the year. This is the first of the month. That's a major, major point. In other words, when you eat the Passover meal, which is the New Testament communion meal, the calendar starts over. It's the beginning of a new year and a new day that when you come to this table, you start a new year and a new month. In other words, you start all over. The coming to the Lord's table is a new beginning. This is the first day of the rest of your life. And when you take this meal, he says, I don't want you focused on yesterday. I don't want you focused on past. I want you, when you take this meal, to become so fresh in Jesus that it's just like your first day, your eyes are being opened to what he did at Calvary through his body and his blood, and you can't get over it, and you can't talk it enough and you can't pray. He said, you come and let me start all over in your life. Don't take this meal ceremonially. You take this meal. This is the Lord's table. I'm at this table. My blessings are activated at this table. And when you take it and get full of it, it starts everything over. It's a restart button. He said, stay full of the lamb. Turn to somebody and say, Stay full of the lamb, not yourself. Stay full of the lamb. Then he said something pretty powerful. In the book of Exodus, it said, and never serve it, never serve this Passover meal without a side dish, a bitter herbs. Notice that. First of all, let me preach just a minute. Take the lamb and roast it in the fire. And another verse down there, he says, and don't sod it with water. Don't water down the lamb. I don't need your little half gospel. I don't need your little weak gospel. I don't need your little Jesus and, and this and that and Jesus and a little bit of this and that and, and, and you'll feel better. That is not what the gospel is. It's red. Notice he said, don't even put it in a pan. Don't even put the lamb and cook it in a pan. I don't want nothing between the lamb and the fire. I want the fire and I want the lamb. And when you serve the lamb, I want him piping hot. <laughs> That's why I'm so wild. I'm still wild. I cannot preach the gospel and behave. I cannot preach the gospel and not lift my voice because he said it's not supposed to be medium rare. It's not supposed to be cold. It's not supposed to be served right out of the refrigerator. If you're going to serve the lamb, get some passion, get some fire, get some fire under. It's only good when it's on fire. Can only change people when you are on fire and you're presenting it on fire. But back to what I was saying. There's a side dish. And he said, you never serve the lamb without bitter herbs. And they shall eat it all. In other words, a lot of us want the lamb like we order our hamburger. I'll have a hamburger, no onions. But he's saying it's a package deal. 
and you can't in life have the sweetness of the lamb without the bitter herbs of life. It's just going to happen. You're going to have the side dish and notice it's the side dish. The main course is red hot lamb. And if you got enough of the sweet lamb, it'll even out the side dish of bitter herbs. You're not supposed to carry the bitterness around the rest of your life, but if you get more lamb, it'll even out. The bitterness will be evened out by the sweetness of the lamb. And I don't care what's happened to you. I don't care what tragedy has hit you. I don't care what side dish. Greater is the lamb by the blood of the lamb. We overcome the side dishes of bitterness that life tries to bring. Somebody shout and praise God and say, I don't have to be bitter the rest of my life over what was served me. It's a side dish. The main course takes care of the side dish. Hallelujah. Can I keep preaching? I intend to. You know what? Those bitter herbs were put in salt water representing the salty tears of Egyptian bondage. You're going to have some salty tears. That's, that's when you really need to come to this table. You're going to have some bitter herbs, some bitter things that are unexplainable. And they never really is so severe that things are changed forever and you never really completely get over it. It's just a side dish. And if you let yourself go there, it would become your whole life. But because you're eating the living lamb, goodness and mercy gets activated. Restoration gets activated. Cup running over gets activated. The goodness of God begins to get activated. And suddenly the bitter things cannot control your emotions. It's a joyous celebration. Hallelujah. I love the fact that he told them, he said, now you can't take the lamb with you. Uh, by the way, if you read that in Exodus 12, he said, now when you eat this meal, make sure you keep your shoes on, keep your sandals on. Because when, when old Moses grabs that ram's horn and blows it and says, he gives that signal on that, on that trumpet, it means you need to be ready to go. You ain't going to have time to pack. And that's why he said, this do in remembrance of me until I come again. Keep your shoes on. Be ready to go while you're eating the rapture. I got a sneaky, I got a sneaky feeling that, 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 that there's something about this meal that has to do with the rapture of Jesus Christ. And we're supposed to keep our shoes on and be ready in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, when the trumpet sounds, we're leaving here. But then he said, he said, no, now, now you can't take the lamb. But he said, you can have some traveling bread. And he said, you can take the bread with you. And because it doesn't have yeast in it, it's flat bread, which yeast speaks of pride. I don't need you a bunch of pump, puff, puffed up people. But you can take some traveling bread with you. I hope, I hope you don't just come to church and get blessed and leave here. You're supposed to take some traveling bread with you. And uh, he said something else in Exodus 12. Now, I've told them after I preach 30 minutes, this is my new thing. Y'all noticed I've done it lately. 
that after 30 minutes of preaching, no matter how good I'm preaching, come out and play the keyboard as though I'm going to close. (laughs) Psychological manipulation. So they don't bother me. (laughs) They're just doing what they told told me. If you're on medication, it's three minutes before something. Listen to this. This is important about this meal. Y'all getting anything out of this? He said, oh, and let me tell you something else about the Passover meal. It says over there in, 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 in that same chapter, he said, there'll come a time when a new generation of children will come along and they weren't there during Passover, but you'll still be having this meal and they'll ask, what does this mean? And you will say back to them what it means when the angel passed over. In other words, this is a generational table. That something is happening for the generations and for the family. This, he said, do in remembrance of me. Do you know the opposite of remembrance is dismembered? So when a family is having disagreements, somebody said something and the family is dismembered and that which was close has been pulled apart, if you will approach this table... The power of the Lord's table is it has the power to remember what has been dismembered. What has been separated by arguments and anger and hurt and bitterness. That when you approach this table with faith, there is a supernatural power on it to remember and put back together marriages and homes and families that have been Dismembered, And anyone who's been dismembered from the body of Christ, backsliders and people who feel they've messed up too bad that God could never forgive them. But if you'll come to this table with complete humility and say, Jesus, forgive me. He says, I'll remember what has been dismembered. And so I won't close. I want to close with this. I wrote down some. Or I, or I had them pull some of the uh, some of the old blood songs. I call. Them. Don't you love the blood songs? Listen to this. Y'all gonna help me preach? Every time I look at you, I want you to say nothing. All right, let's try. It. At every campus, ready? What can wash away my sin? But the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing. But the blood of Jesus. For my pardon, this I see. Nothing. But the blood of Jesus. For my cleansing, this I plea. Nothing. But the blood of Jesus. Listen to these words. Nothing can for sin atone. But the blood of Jesus. Not of good that I have done. But the blood of Jesus, now by this I'll overcome. But the blood of Jesus, this is all my righteousness, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Listen to this one. Glory, glory, this I sing, nothing but the blood of Jesus. All my praise for this I bring, nothing but the blood of Jesus. 
Would you be free from your burden of sin? There's power in the blood. Power in the blood. Would you over evil a victory win? There's wonderful power in the blood. Would you be free from your passion and pride? There's power in the blood. Power in the blood. Come for a cleansing to Calvary's tide. There's power in the blood of the Lamb. Would you be whiter, much whiter than snow? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Sin stains are lost in its life-giving flow. There's wonderful power in the blood. Have you ever busted your nose and your nose bled on a white t-shirt? Raise your hand if you have. How many of you have ever tried to get blood out of a white t-shirt or shirt? Let me see your hand. What does blood do? It stains. And yet there's a, there's a mystery in the blood of this table. Every other blood stains. But the blood of Jesus cleanses every stain. That's why the book of Revelation said they were riding on white horses, the saints, and they had white robes that had been washed in the blood of the Lamb. How do you get the blood stains and yet this blood cleanses? Hallelujah. And I want to give you one more strange thing and I'll close. Because I got more to preach, but I'm out of time. strange thing is that the Passover they had bread they had bitter herbs they had lamb they had wine but at the New Testament meal all four gospels point this out there was only bread and the cup with the fruit of the vine there was no lamb on the table because the lamb was at the table and within 24 hours he would hang on a cross but now when you come to the table there's bread there's wine and the lamb is at the table and on the table and he says I'll go with you wherever you go whatever you face yes I'm with you till the end we'll never be separated again are you ready to have communion? Stand to your feet all over this building and at all of our campuses. And I want you to take that communion that you've been given. There's a cup, there's a piece of bread in it. I want you to tear the top off and get the piece of bread in your hand. And I want you to tear the top of the cup back just a little bit and be ready to drink in just a moment. But I cannot preach a message on that table without offering you a seat at the table. And if you've been dismembered by sin, you can be remembered at this table. Thank you for listening. 